0: Okay, so could I still blame daylight savings time for not doing the podcast yesterday? Look, I'm gonna—I made an oath to you to do two podcasts over the weekend, which I'm going to do, which I'm doing. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm providing to my promise. Um, but uh, it's Sunday today, not Saturday. So let me say this: the podcast could either be released on a Saturday or indeed a Sunday over the weekend. I'm going to still try to do the Fridays, you know, by hell or high water. I mean, if I was in a fishing boat stranded at sea, I would still get a podcast to you. I mean, if my foot was tangled in some old netting and I was hoist up to the crow's nest, I would do a podcast to you upside down, smelling a fish. I mean, that, that's, that's how it's going to be. But this is sort of really what I'm... I mean, this is what I'm feeling like today. This is me probably like an hour ago. I mean, doesn't that guy sound like he has sleep apnea? What else have we got here? I mean, do we have... Another option? I mean that's almost that's almost melodic. I don't think I I don't think I don't think that's me. And yeah, no. That's like one of the nostrils has a maybe a Moe Shandon cork up at that last one. I'm afraid that could be me. The, the the gristling walrus The bristling walrus could be me. I'm afraid to say. Oh no I don't really don't want to be the bristling Wall so but you know a little tusky in the morning after a bit I tell you what's revitalizing though and and I know a lot of people a lot of people have thought about this before in the morning and that's why they do have Indian buffets they have the curry buffets in the morning so you can get your brunch at the weekend and have a curry. I think a curry has restorative uh values and and it really has. The essence of um, invigoration and uh, uh, rediscovering oneself after very little sleep. I didn't. I, I mean, I wasn't hitting the gin and tonics last night. Promise you that. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't the case. It's just uh, it's just not very much sleep. And a butler does need uh, need a little bit of eye at least. I'm an, always an early riser, but uh, I do need I do need a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of shut eye to uh, to get up to speed, especially in the podcast. You guys are so challenging. I mean, you uh, you push me to uh, to the limit here, to endeavours that I'd never thought I'd be able to uh, succeed in. So, f- for you, th- I thank you for that, without a doubt. Okay, so keep calm and cauliflower cheese. I'm Chappie, and it's seventy-one episode seventy-one. And I mean some of the things that we may or may not be discussing today tea bagging darts it's certainly the epitome of the probably the worst the most awful breakup that a British man could have um, could be the tea bagging darts I'll explain a little bit more later on stay posted uh, and also rice pudding have you grown into rice pudding I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, is an acquired taste. But have you grown into rice pudding? Uh, also, um, a little session, a new game maybe of jar or pouch Russian roulette. Also, the world, I've, I, I created a world record earlier this weekend, and I'll let you know exactly what that is. Um, something we talked about briefly, but are you an orange ski suit fan? I'm not. I'll tell you why. Uh, the little uh, Irish quartet. Um, the girls who sung uh, from Bewitched were singing about sex oh what a surprise and um, we never really really looked at uh, my shoveling techniques and how it may lead and transcend to other areas of my life um, also um, the red phone boxes are finding a new calling I mean it isn't that exciting I do love the red phone boxes I always feel I'm going to turn into Doctor Who or something when I peer out of there, or maybe uh, maybe some sort of British Superman with uh, you know maybe tea bags having, hanging from my nipples and uh, um, you know Times newspaper tucked into my belt. Um, what else? You know maybe um, maybe a jar of marmalade that I could toss at some opponent coming by. I mean I can see that uh, I can see that definitely being a, being a thing. I mean, obviously, I'd have um, the Austin Powers Union Jack uh, speedos on over, over my pinstripe suit. I think that would be the super, you know the Superman look for the British man. If the Superman was British, which I know Henry Cavill's British, but he plays an American-sounding Superman, without a doubt. Um, so we talked about foam boxes. Uh, we never talked about the, uh, the suckers on an octopus uh, yesterday. Uh, Boris Johnson uh, uh, charmed a housewife, well, it seems like he's charmed many housewives before, uh, and got $450,000. I mean, it sounds like he's almost a political gigolo there. The mosaic from Cagaluda's party boat returned to a museum. Call yourself middle class. The study that tells us why. Tough, chewy, and not as good as oldie. Amazon's fillet steak fails the taste test. Also, nectar from the gods. Hot cross bun, bread and butter pudding. That sounds absolutely amazing. And America's latest stress buster is cuddling with a cow. Maybe some of my ex-girlfriends could uh, could uh, could be part of that tale there. Um, also, uh, let's Alice band together. It's our one chance to quiff it up and let her locks down. Uh, 14 unusual Easter eggs to buy. Um, as I said the amber of the gods is the cross hot cross bun bread and butter pudding um erotica in phone box library has hampshire village hot and bothered so we have maybe some of those stories as i said we may or may not be talking about those but we are going to have some enigmatic english eccentric habits uh coming along the way and we may have a fireside butler ghost tale that sounds rather wonderful doesn't it it sounds warming maybe a little again we've got more snow coming I mean, it's 60 degrees here in Colorado, and there's another four inches of snow. I'm only just finished shoveling my way out. Not very effectively, as I said. All will be revealed later on So I think I need some electric probes on the testicles today. Uh, not because I enjoy that, but to remind me, because I started talking about the uh, restorative effect of uh, an Indian curry, and then realized I, I didn't even have a curry for breakfast this morning. Well, I had a Thai curry, so it's a little bit healthier, a little bit more lemongrass, fragrant, uh, lots of vegetables in there, chicken, and a nice sort of peanutty, uh, coconutty broth. I tell you something, I feel so much better now. I mean, that, that, that is, it, it has the uh, effects of uh, maybe elixir from the gods. Uh, that, that, that curry taste and smell in the morning I don't know if I could do it if I had uh, absolutely got rat-assed and had a few too many uh, beverages I don't know if the Thai curry could hit it I think that, I think a samosa and in the Indian food would be fine um, if you've had rather too many drinks but the, uh, the Thai uh, I, I don't think it would have the same effect I think it might uh, it might sort of curdle in the, uh, in the stomach slightly So red phone boxes find a new calling. Thousands more traditional red phone boxes are to be revived by local communities and could be transformed into museums, libraries and homes for defibrillators. BT has revealed that almost 4,000 of its phone boxes across the UK are up for grabs since being made largely redundant by the use of mobile phones. Since 2008, more than 6,600 phone boxes have been taken up by communities for only £1 each and adopt a kiosk program. Phone boxes have been transformed into uh, defibrillator units, history museums, art galleries, and book exchanges. The first phone box library was set up in Westbury Sub Mendip in Somerset in 2009 after the local council cut funding for the area's mobile library. The uh, parish council purchased the box, and residents put up wooden shelves inside and donated their own books. Since then, other libraries and villages um, in libraries have been created uh, phone boxes, while in Cheltenham, 10 boxes have been transformed into miniature art galleries showcasing the work of local artists. The Community Heartbeat Trust installed defibrillators in hundreds of disused phone boxes across the country. Uh, James Brown of BT said the better phone signals have reduced demand for the traditional phone box, but he hoped communities could find use for the kiosk. With most people now using mobile phones, has led to a huge drop in the number of calls made from payphones. I wouldn't think there were any calls made from payphones anymore. At the same time, mobile coverage has improved significantly due to investment mass in rural areas. So we're rationalizing our payphone estate to make, make it fit for the future and adopt a kiosk scheme makes it possible for communities across the UK to retain their local phone box for a refreshed purpose more than 400 have been upgraded by BT Street hubs which offer free ultra-fast Wi-Fi USB charging and environmental monitoring. I mean there's a couple of things here so I remember a couple of years ago my uh, my daughters uh, were introduced to the phone box and they they said I mean daddy what is that it was like a, it was like seeing a dinosaur for the first time and they're thinking it's like from a bygone age I mean everybody uses phone boxes back in the day. I mean, went in there knowing that there would be an incredibly strong smell of urine. Because people decided when they get pissed to go and pee in a phone box. I mean, I, I, I guess it's a little bit like a urinal. Um, but you know what? On a summer's day with that door shut, it gets rather musty. So, I mean, you get the joy of that. You get all the graffiti in there as well. Um, and also, talking about defibrillators... I mean could you get a bigger fella into a phone box i mean that's a whole thing if you if you've got a wide girth how could you get into the phone box to have your heart restarted or would the leads i mean are the leads stretchy enough to um you know to stretch to a big bloke who had a heart attack but is too big to get into the phone box i mean it's something to think about without a doubt um but also the adopter phone box i mean they would make so much money they could sell it to the americans the Americans love a bit of British nostalgia, you know. I think it, uh, I mean, especially if they got a picture of Harry calling his dad and his brother on the phone from a British phone box. I mean, you could make millions on that. You could sell those phone boxes on eBay for probably a million a million dollars, a million pounds, without a doubt, you know. And it would be great to have one, crown on top of it, and it starts ringing and uh you know, Megan goes along, answer it. Hey Harry, it's your dad. You know. Oh hello Daddy, I'm terribly sorry that I made a terrible goose of myself. You know, that would be that would be fantastic, you know, the, the phone box rings, it's like the bat phone. The red phone goes off and it's Prince Charles on the line. I mean, who you'd pay money for that? I mean, if it was Prince Andrew on the line You know, maybe not so much. Maybe it would be out of order. It'd hang that little sign around it saying out of order. Don't use. And it smells of pee and poop. And PG Tips has made chocolate teapots a reality this Easter. PG Tips latest Easter launch is about as useful as a chocolate teapot. Oh wait, it's actually a chocolate teapot. And it's brilliant. In all seriousness, we we, we were stumped when we found out this wasn't an April Fool. that time of year obviously and can't wait to get our sticky hands on one the chocolate teapot is made using only the finest artisanal milk chocolate and then shaped into the cutest little teapot what's more the teapot's perfectly paired with a box of 40 pg tips so you can enjoy your delicious tasting chocolate alongside a comforting cuppa Um, you don't use a teapot to make just actual tea obviously Uh, the brand manager charlotte ridley said in the press release we know that britain's a nation of tea lovers and we want to give them something to get excited about this easter so our new chocolate teapot is a perfect alternative for those suffering with easter egg fatigue because easter eggs aren't all they cracked up to be it's a perfect easter egg alternative for the tea guzzlers in your life i mean the thing is though I, I do like a little bit of chocolate and like a hot sip of tea i mean that's absolutely funny. a little melty in the mouth there but it could be rather messy I mean, you could you could really mess up your uh, tea cozy, You put the tea cozy over the over the chocolate teapot with the hot water and the tea in there. I mean, you may have to call the police, they may have to call it off, there'll be so much mess there. I mean, I might get my, you know, like Pooh Bear did with the honey in the jar, I might get my paw into that chocolate and start scooping that up before anybody else arrives. I think that would be absolutely delicious. Now, would you take a bite of the handle first, or would you do the would you do the would you do the stem of the pot? You know, I am a little teapot short and stout, so would it be the handle? Would it be the spout? I think I'd have a bite of the spout. Are you a spike bouter or a handle bouter uh, uh, biter? Bouter biter. It doesn't make any difference. Tea, uh, you know, tomato tomato. Uh, but I, I think that's I think that's a rather nice. You know, you get forty tea bags. And you get a a lovely little, uh, very appealing on the eye, uh, chocolate teapot. I think it could make anybody's Easter, you know, break for a cup of tea and have a little taste of chocolate as well. Okay. So we have another enigmatic English pastime, English eccentric habit. So it may be football that gains us international sporting attention. But if there's one game that's quintessentially British, it's cricket. For those not in the know, the rules of cricket seem infinitely complex. But it really doesn't matter whether you understand the rules or not. The point of cricket is to give one something to watch on a summer's afternoon, preferably with scones and jam and some form of beverage. You haven't experienced an English summer until you've experienced a lovely game of cricket. Okay, so rice pudding. Now, I've never really been a fan, especially as a young chap, of the uh, of the rice pudding. I know it's a traditional um, Indian dessert, or I think it was probably the British in India, and then uh, the Indians made it better. Um, I mean, the recipe, I, I saw a recipe made me think about rice pudding again. So it's one liter of semi-skimmed milk, basmati rice, cardamom seeds, crushed to a powder, honey, almond flakes to serve. And you basically heat the milk in the saucepan over high heat till it reaches boiling point. Lower the heat to medium, add the rice and the ground cardamom and cook for about 10 minutes. Reducing the heat to low for 80 minutes for a gentle simmer. Make sure the milk doesn't stick to the bottom of the pan. And then you add, uh, add some of the honey and almonds at the end as well. But you know what, I mean, I, I always saw it as um, maybe an old person's uh, dessert. You know, somebody who either couldn't chew properly but their teeth were bad or maybe they you know they had dentures and rice pudding was perfect when you pop your teeth out you know and you want a little sweet treat it's not too taxing on the on the old gums to chew up uh, some rice pudding but I've re-evaluated rice pudding I mean I think it was absolutely hideous when it was given to to me at school Um, I mean it was uh, gloopy I think it did actually stick to the uh, stick to the bottom of the pan. It was more skin than uh, rice pudding, and the skin on the top. I mean, I love breaking into a creme brulee, but you know the skin of a rice pudding. It, it, it's you know it, it looks like it's a uh, you know maybe part of Leatherface's mask from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean you don't want to see it. I mean it's. Uh, I mean, many people, and we talked about this the other week, have seen Jesus Christ in a in a in a rice pudding. Now, I don't, I, I Christ has only come to me in the rice pudding recently, and now I do think it's it maybe possibly a religious experience, you know, eating a piece of rice pudding, um, especially if it's you know a little bit of honey, a little bit of cardamom, absolutely. I, I imagine some like crumbled pistachio might be uh, might be pretty fantastic as well. But anyway, try the rice pudding. Just because your grandpa used to eat it and give it, gave it to you out of a can, I mean, the, the canned rice puddings are okay. It's not like canned spotted dick. You never want your dick out of a can. You want, you know, a homemade spotted dick. Uh, I think that's uh, that's the way to go. But rice pudding, ambrosia rice pudding is pretty, pretty fine. Okay. So we had um, the other situation the other day in Chappie Towers. And I have a very, very narrow um uh, pantry space I mean it's the most narrow pantry space ever. we can only fit very slender jars and uh, and pretty slender cans And you know as I said probably in the summer keep calling cauliflower cheese episode I had a situation when the olive oil basically fell from the top shelf and exploded. It was on the ceilings I mean I had moisturized uh, beautifully ol- olive uh, colored skin, um, for weeks afterwards, I mean, it gave me. I, I didn't have to put any any sort of. Uh, I didn't have to coat myself up with goose grease or anything like that to get a tan. The olive oil did a perfect job, and it went everywhere. So I had the similar situation the other day. Now, in a in a game of Russian roulette that fa- you know favors Chappy, it would be a can of dog food or maybe a can of beans. Or a can of uh, uh, you know anchovies falling onto the floor no problem there a little bit dented but we can recover has anybody ever had uh, a pouch of curried carrot soup fall from the top shelf and it's ended well it didn't end well it went absolutely everywhere I mean it doesn't just go within a couple of centimeters of uh, you know of, of, of the impact I mean this is this is what happened probably. If we had the situation, you know, the Yucatan Peninsula uh, after the Jurassic Age and the asteroid hitting was a similar effect to a pouch, an asteroid pouch of carrot, coriander soup, tumbling to the floor, going like the clappers and exploding everywhere. I mean, it's a similar. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't wipe out the Earth and give us, a, you know, a, an Ice Age... Instead of ice, maybe, um, you know, rain-falling carrot-colored with a dash of coriander and a bit of spice. I mean, it'd be worse than acid rain. And, you know, a rainfall of uh, carrot-coriander soup, as I had the other day, there's a bit of spice to it. The acid rain is nothing compared to that. And it took a long time to find every piece of carrot-coriander soup because you don't want your dog licking it. I mean, a little taste of the carrot-coriander soup... Uh, you might as well get the dog diapers out that's all I'm saying about that so there we go a fantastic game of carrot coriander Russian roulette with a pouch it's never gonna turn out well for the butler okay so suckers octopus has a secret skill to stay hidden it takes a degree of cunning to avoid being eaten when you're a sea creature with soft body, no-shell, and generous array of meaty arms built around nutritious muscle. Now scientists have revealed how the octopus draws on secret skill to keep its many appendages out of harm's way. Uh, a study it sounds like a sort of underwater porn movie, doesn't it? Many appendages and the secret skill to keep it out of harm's way. Um, a study has found that each tentacle has the ability to detect light for itself. When illuminated, it will uh, already unusually react by slivering in the dark. Uh, This uh, previously unknown behavior was discovered by accident. A team of Israeli researchers were exploring the ability of octopuses have to camouflage themselves. Their skin is covered in thousands of specialized cells called uh, chromatophores and contain tiny pockets of pigments of different colors. By contracting and expanding these pockets, an octopus can mimic the colours and patterns of its habitat with extraordinary precision. Uh, Chromatohores uh, are known to expand when placed in light. The researchers were trying to explore how they work shining a torch on a common octopus recently hauled from the Mediterranean Sea. It refused to cooperate. Every time the light hit a tentacle, the arm would move away. This uh, happened when the octopus could see, not uh, using the two eyes of its head to see where the tentacle was. This was a surprise. Um, it it joins a long list of octopus skills. The animals have been uh, regarded as highly intelligent and formidably dexterous. They can, for instance, twist off a, a lid of a jam jar from the inside. You know what? I, I think if I ever get a pet octopus, I may mean, be perfect because I always have issues with. Um, with the raspberry with the raspberry or strawberry jam uh basically being stuck and under hot water you still can't loosen it so the you know the strong suction tentacles of the octopus um you know might uh, might help remove uh, the lid but i also find uh when, when you're talking about maybe the, the octopuses are shy they just don't want to show their tentacles off to everybody um you know Maybe maybe one of the tentacles uh, is 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 shyer than the others, you know. It could have a slightly deformed tentacle at the back, and it doesn't show it to the audience, so to speak. Um, but uh, but there we go. I think I'm going to get a pet octopus, and I'm going to try it uh, try it to remove uh, remove the jam jar, um, and uh, you know, and see if it can uh, release the delicious jam from the inside without. Uh, without smashing the, uh, smashing the jam jar into smithereens. So we have the latest chapter of Trump, or indeed trombone. And first up on the uh today, we have Meghan Markle lookalike, who makes 300 pounds uh, an hour per booking, wants to quit over hurtful trolls. Uh, Sarah Milaga uh, revealed social media users were using her as a punch bag in the light of Meghan waging war on the royal family during the explosive Oprah interview. The lookalike who earns up to 300 pounds for every appearance is considering quitting a job after being targeted by trolls and the hurtful abuse. Um, despite being able to, unable to work during the coronavirus lockdown, Sarah fears her once blossomed career could be cut short as the former Suits actress popularity in the UK continues to nosedive. I mean, thinking about lookalikes though, Let's say for any Adams family lookalikes out of work, they could double up at the Royals. You know, Meghan could be Morticia, Gomez could be Harry, uh, and of course, Prince Philip, Uncle Fester, without a doubt. Or Prince Andrew could play multiple characters uh, Uncle Festering, uh, maybe the understudy for Prince Philip, uh, The Thing, and of course, Lurch. <phone rings> And in other news, most of China's cities have at least one sex doll brothel. But the original one in Shenzhen's Longhu district was closed down a month ago apparently on hygiene grounds. Uh, China's first sex doll hotel was sealed off by police with customers still inside. No punchline required. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is the man we would choose to lead Earth in the event of an alien invasion. Studied study 2,000 British adults revealed the top 20 celebrities and public figures they believed would be best suited to deal with an alien invasion. Will Smith was close second to Arnie thanks to experience in dealing with the space creatures in his own iconic role in Independence Day and Men in Black. And national Trevor and animal experts Sir David Attenborough came third and Bruce Willis and Tom Cruise after that. Uh, alien star Sigourney Weave also made the cut, Harrison Ford and Gillian Anderson. I mean, if, uh, if Arnie did, uh, did star in Men in Black, the perfect catchphrase, if he co-stars as one of the new defenders of the universe, in shades and the suit noir, will, I'll be black. Okay, so we have a little thing I saw in Private Eye in the week, and it's Private Eye's Royal Interview Quiz. How will you score in this palace puzzler? All you have to do is spot the logical fallacy in Harry and Meghan's reasoning, as they featured in a historic ratings bursting Oprah interview. Number one. I don't read the tabloids, but they're so unpleasant I had to leave the country. Number two. The racism in Britain was so bad, we've come to the United States. Number three. For security reasons, it's better to live in the country where everyone has a gun. Number four. As a mere A-list actress on a top-rated show, I was totally unprepared to enter the media spotlight. Number five, we wanted our son to be a royal prince, although royalty is a gilded cage that people become trapped and unhappy. Number six, as an American actress and a friend of Hollywood celebrities, I did not have the phone number of a therapist. And number seven, my letter to my father is deeply private. Harry unanswered phone call to his father should be shared with the world. Number eight, Megan's is not to blame for me leaving the royal family. I couldn't have done it without her. Number nine, I'm broke apart from the millions my mother left me. And finally, number 10, I love my grandmother so much I completely loyal to her. Bugger off, granny. America's latest stress buster is cuddling a cow. It's Thursday lunchtime and I'm clinging onto the warm belly of a large cow. I'm not sure either if, it's enjoy- if it's enjoying it. Uh, the 1,800-pound Holstein was happily sunbathing when I gingerly came in for a hug, and I'm sitting in the wet mud. Cow cuddling has becoming an increasingly popular trend for Americans shattered by the pandemic, stressed by work and suffering from loneliness. It seems that, uh, particularly for those who have endured lockdown alone, embracing a calm cow is restorative balm. Cow cuddling is a new goat yoga, a friend who uh, keeps on top wellness trends tells me. Thanks to the uh, uh, travel ban, I've been stuck in New York for a year, said the writer, while my family, boyfriend, and closest friends are all in England. I especially long to have my father, who lives by himself and hasn't had any human touch since March. I'm intrigued whether a cow could provide some comfort. The Dutch have been advocates of cow... cow canuffelin as they call it, which is reportedly helps lower stress, increase happiness by boosting oxytocin, a uh, bonding hormon- hormone. Mountain Horse Farm... Uh, Bed and breakfast, five hours outside the city of New York. Offers cow cuddling, $75, 54 pounds for an hour. But the Dutch owner, Suzanne Vullers explains that her cow's boy and Bella don't begin the season until the weather gets warmer. Uh, I mean, I think it'd be perfect if it's colder. You mean you could warm the cow up? The cow could warm you. For some cow cuddling can be helpful grief therapy. Uh, when I admit that I'm apprehensive, Vullers advised me how to behave when I find a cuddler. It's fine if you're a little bit nervous, but just admit it, because the animals really love it if you're honest. They don't like if you try to hide your feelings or try to pretend to be something that you're not. Uh, Sanctuary in Pennsylvania can offer goat snuggling as well. Uh, And there's also a cuddling cow moo to Ohio for training, Um, but after five hours hit the bullseye. In New York State, the seven-month-old calf Max is loving a very calming cuddle. I'm intrigued that people want to connect with cows more than other animals because here we cuddle with everybody, says Brule. The pigs are also big cuddlers and cuddle with turkeys, sheep and goats. Um, she said during the six foot distance and before the pandemic, um, uh, you know, she said she's just not a cuddler, uh, but she uh, warns not to approach the cows head on. They may feel like you're coming to tra- challenge them to avoid walking directly behind them and to move slowly and to read their body language. If they start swinging their heads or start moving away, uh, then maybe that's a sign they don't want to interact. Uh, Max licks his arms with his bristly tongue and chews jumper sleeves, but he's not interested in cuddle. Nearby, though, Colin, the three-year-old Holstein Bullock, speaks uh, strictly speaking, not a cow, but looks like he's wearing a Boris Johnson toupee, uh, does enjoy a nice, jolly cuddle. So there we go. I mean, it beats, uh, it beats cow tipping. I'm wondering if you have to be vegans to go in because you don't want to, you know, some sort of carnival taking a bite out of crime whilst cuddling or anything along those lines. That could be absolutely awful. Um, but there we go. Cow cuddling is a new pandemic therapy. Okay, time for another Fireside Ghost Tale. The Langston Arms in Oxford was built in the early 19th century on the foundations of a much earlier building which is thought to have been a religious establishment. This is probably the reason why the apparition of a woman wearing a headdress is thought to be that of a nun although it's not necessarily the case. The phantom described as being a white shape is always heralded by a mysterious coughing noise and shuffling footsteps and if that as an elderly woman she is seen gliding along the corridors of the hotel and on one occasion passing the window of the bar. Peter Underwood reported that the apparition would appear every 10 days or so. Okay so I thought about the probably the worst way somebody could break up with a British man. So just imagine that uh, your beloved chooses to break up with you and you've left you know a considerable amount of tea bags over at a house now first of all the tea bags could be ripped into shreds with tea leaves absolutely everywhere which would be you know pretty messy or even worse the uh, tea bags could be soaked in hot water and then when you come to pick up your stuff thrown at you so you have a hot tea bag flying through the air that could hit you in the face could hit you in the crown jewels I mean it could be absolutely awful I mean they could you know they hated you enough they could do you know you could have a uh, a uh, cardboard cutout effigy of a butler and the hot tea bags could be thrown at different parts of the butler's body scoring points Almost like a, uh, a slightly nasty version of uh, hot tea bag, butler soaking darts. I mean, almost like uh, probably butler cornhole or something along those lines. But it'd be a, face, a fate worse than death if the tea bags, you know, weren't dunked for the optimum five minutes. They were just soaked quickly in boiling water and then chucked at you. I mean, it could be the epitome and uh, a fate worse than death for uh, for a British chap. I mean. It, it, it could be the situation of the, uh, the the Boston Tea Party. I mean, it's um, Americans have been doing it for centuries, wasting tea in water. Um, I mean, it's like the lady last year who thought she could boil water uh, with the tea bag and the milk in a microwave, and the microwave never ever gets the water hot enough. But uh, there we go. I mean, absolute torture. Firstly, all your tea bags not properly uh, brewed but chucked at you uh, whilst dipped in hot water and that stinging sensation of uh, being struck on the head with a slightly lukewarm tepid teabag. Okay, so the answer to last week's mystery sound was indeed something I don't do very often that my dad would never think I did was uh, snow shoveling. But I actually did have to do some snow shoveling. But I was thinking though, um, and it's been brought to my attention that my shoveling technique uh, may not be the best. I mean, if you don't have the right tools of the trade, like I have a Victorian shovel. It's not one of these modern snow shovels. It's like a big iron wrought shovel uh, with a wooden handle that does give me splinters. I mean, it's terribly hard on a butler's hands getting splinters from from the wooden handle, the antique wooden handle into the hands. I mean, it can impede all sorts of shoveling. But, you know, apparently my shoveling technique... Isn't, isn't smooth enough. But as I said, I haven't got the right tools for the job. Not, not in the shoveling sense anyway. Um, and, um, but I'm wondering if poor shoveling can transcend into other areas of one's life. I mean, do you get sloppy and start sleeping through the, uh, re- through the snooze button? I mean, if you have poor shoveling technique. I mean, when you're making uh, soft-boiled eggs, do you just, you know, you're a little bit off the boil... And you let them boil for an extra couple of minutes and then they're hard-boiled eggs and we know how much i hate the hard-boiled egg but uh, i i think it could it lead into all sorts of areas. like you know if you're a poor shoveler does it lead to bad male grooming do you have hairy ears and nose hair coming out of your nose like tusks i mean this could be a problem so i mean i think chaps out there we need to perfect our shoveling techniques because it's a very manly pursuit and if you have the right shovel and the right technique, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's very alluring to the opposite sex. So there's a lovely article in the Times from Martin Hemming. Uh, Let's Alice band together, chaps. It's our one chance to quiff it up or let our locks down. The writer says um, he had a breakthrough uh, last Thursday. My hair, you see, has got rather long. This is part intentional, while others use their lockdowns to master crochets or conversational Russian, I thought I'd find much of my time away from prying eyes of friends and colleagues, and anyone else who'd take the piss, trying to look more like Morrissey from The Smiths, dodgy political views, good songs, excellent quiff. If you still got it to go out, I figured hair today, gone tomorrow, and so on. So appreciate that uh, you know the readers of the Times, uh, some of them being bolder men, uh, may uh, maybe stop reading at that point and uh, not being able to, uh, to grow the, uh, the rather enigmatic quiff um, could be a problem. But uh, his quiff growing is going fairly well. The hair growing, he's maintaining a fledgling mozza, a uh, good five minutes with a hairdryer, liberal amount of hairspray, and semi-regular trips to the hairdresser. In normal times, I see a lovely Italian boy at the hairdresser called Federico who cuts my hair, but in lockdown, his painstaking way, with the scissors and cut cutthroat razor, has been off limits. Uh, my barnet, like everybody else in in Britain, uh, sorry again to the Baldies, has therefore got a little out of control. So a few weeks ago I started wearing a headband first keeping it in uh, for the odd work video call to see if anybody knows much and then in public. I felt daring and pretentious sporting this thing art of plastic, uh, black plastic I got a few quid in Morrisons for. Nobody stopped me as I hoped I'd say gosh you look like a very sexy footballer from AC Milan, like Paula Mandini. All right, uh, or maybe like Jack Grealish from Aston Villa. But for the most part, nobody batted an eyelid, and we're all in the same two-hairy, professional haircut-deprived boat. See, I, I think I think this is the difference. I think in the UK, uh, a man might get away with wearing an Alice band. I think in the US, I don't think I've seen any Alice band. I don't see many Alice bands on ladies, but I don't think the Alice band... Uh, in the US, would go down very, very well. Um, I mean, there's times when uh, during the lockdown uh, here in the US, um, you know, I did think about um, maybe growing growing out a man bun. I hate to say it. I really, I mean, I, I don't like the beards, but the hair at one point at the back could have uh, could have been tousled into a man bun. Um, I don't know if that point would make me uh, make me breaking some sort of uh, fashion crime and you'd hear the sirens coming I'd be arrested and then the locks would be uh, lopped off pretty quickly Um, but uh, never never consider the Alice band I think I'll leave that to the Italian footballers and David Beckham who uh, can probably carry it off I mean we all have heroes and uh, lookalikes that we uh, we want to you know Copy our copy our image too, um, and, and my mother, my dear mother, in the nineteen nineties, um, went for a stage of um, you know, a certain you know rock band out of Manchester in the nineties, and I think she was a huge fan. I mean, she bought the anorak, pushed the collar up, and um, and decided to go for the um, the uh, you know bowl on the top of the head look, where you just cut around the sides brush it down and uh, all she needed is a microphone and just looking up to the microphone and she could have been liam gallagher i mean i, I she was a spitting image of gallagher without a doubt and uh and she uh, you know she m- she had sort of mum you know mum Manchester moments in the 90s it was sort of i liked our kid i liked our mum so thank you very much for listening to the podcast, uh, both Friday and today, Sunday. Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese 71. At Keep Cheese on Twitter. Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on Instagram. You can follow all my nonsense and tomfoolery on there. Um, and, uh, and I'll be back again uh, next Friday with another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. But it's been a hell of a week. You know, it really has. And um, it makes, you know, think of becoming old. And I saw a lovely quote by George Burns. First you forget names, then you forget faces, next you forget to pull up your zipper and finally you forget to pull it down. And uh, (laughs) we finish with you a rather lovely uh, poem. Uh, This poem is called Beautiful Us. Sweetheart, have you ever thought about how beautiful our relationship is? I wonder if it's possible for couples to be like us, so open to each other, Having nothing to hide, honest, no fear, but only respect for each other. Accepting unconditionally, loving without a break. Anger that vanishes in a kiss, sometimes in just a touch. Expressing love even when there is no understanding, trust to the core. Enjoying the togetherness, encouraging the uniqueness, desiring to live long together. So playful, so naughty, so cute, so loving, so caring, so romantic. Never I, always us. Maybe it's because the path our relationship has taken genuine affection drew us together. We respected each other. Friendship took over and made our bonds stronger. We loved each other's companies, had no expectations from each other. Our respect and friendship paved the way to trust. Trust made us share our secrets, our real selves. By sharing we exchanged our hearts, our lives and our love. And God blessed and approved our love because he made us for each other. Our love is a mixture of our relationships, which makes us unique. Darling, we are so beautiful. Cheerio, chaps and chapasses.